Thanks for joining us for the Changing the Industry podcast, where we try to effectuate change for the better, one conversation at a time. Part of that change is providing help for those that need it. This is why we've partnered with the Institute for Automotive Business Excellence. Whether it's help with sales, operations, or just getting your numbers in order, these folks are some of the very best in the industry. And for our listeners, they'll sit down with you and go over your strengths, your weaknesses, and the opportunities that are in front of you. They'll create a customized plan for how to move forward absolutely free. That's right, free. And if your plan includes one-on-one coaching, they can also help you with that. There's no hard sales pitch, no obligation, just honest help from honest people. So if that's something that you think could benefit you, make sure you click on the link in the show notes. And now, on to the show. All right, so David Jackson, you just don't even know what you've got yourself into. You run this really like super duper proper podcast, and now you're on with us. And all of our listeners are like, oh my God, this poor guy. He doesn't even know what he's setting himself up for. So I love it. I love, I love that as a setup to a conversation. That's perfect. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Tell everybody who you are, man. Yeah, so uh, my name is David Jackson. I'm the, the president and CEO of the Boone Area Chamber of Commerce here in the mountains of Northwest North Carolina, a place you know well. Um, Absolutely. In my former life, I used to be a uh, college athletics radio play-by-play announcer, uh, now turned chamber executive. So uh, I don't know what all that means, but hey, you know, it, it, it keeps the lights <laughs> on. Sign the, the contract, so here I am. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. That's Very right. cool. Well, so, you know, a, a while back I had been listening to uh, one of your podcasts. And, and you know, David, our David, and I always talk about the value of associations. And that, that might be a chamber. And in, in the automotive space, we're calling them associations. At the end of the day, they're chambers. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things that really stood out to me, and I shared it in our group. We've got a, a Facebook group that everybody comes in and joins. And, and I shared it in the group, but I was listening to one of your recent summits. And it had some economic talks. And I was like, dude, this is powerful stuff, right? And and I, you know this. I don't have to like feel bad about it. I've not really been involved with our local chamber, right? I've been a member for like five or six years. I've been a member of Blowing Rock for like five or six years. I've never been involved because I've been involved with all of these other associations all over the country. Mm-hmm. But there is some tremendous value to being involved with your local chamber, now, I'm not seeing a lot of chambers doing what you're doing, though. What's different about the Boone Chamber of Commerce? Because, like, man, I'm telling you, you're putting some killer content down. Y'all are doing a lot of stuff I've never seen chambers do before. Well, re- remind me to make sure you keep getting the checks that we're sending you to say all these nice things. Uh, we'll, we'll make sure that happens. Uh, check is in the mail. Um, I, I explain it like this. I, I think chambers are like snowflakes. Everyone is designed differently, funded differently. They have different areas of influence or expertise. Um, You know, I I just mentioned I I had a broadcast background uh, for 15 professional years and and lived in a broadcast family. So I've always brought a little bit more of an outward communication, promotional slant to, to this particular organization. Not to say that they weren't doing it right beforehand, but that, right. that's just what I do, right? I, I think that chambers tend to take on 
a look and feel of what their staff does well. So we yeah. we are fortunate here in our chamber to have a professionally developed staff. These are all eight to ten year industry professionals in events, um, you know, sales, uh, communications. So we've been able to take on uh, a little bit more of an outward uh, push, so to speak, in, in some of what you're talking about. For our area, as you know, um, Western North Carolina. If you if you were to close your eyes and examine, or, or, or say, hey, you know, think about Western North Carolina. What does that look like? If you're not right. from Boone in the northwest part of the state, if you're from Raleigh, Charlotte, wherever, you might immediately start thinking about the Drum Circle in Asheville or the Grove Park right. Inn or what have you. Our state has been conditioned to say Western North Carolina is Asheville and everybody else just makes it yeah. look pretty. Um, we very intentionally several years ago wanted to kind of draw that line in the sand and say Northwest North Carolina has a robust economy. It is completely different from Asheville. We don't have an interstate, an airport industry, and that's fine because what we do have, they don't have. And that's, you know, majestic beauty, uh, um, an ecosystem that has built to hold volume uh, and, right. and bring people to this beautiful area. And, you know, whether that's ski season, the summer tourism season, App State football games, whatever it happens to be, we know that we can behave differently and, and are fundamentally aligned differently than, than most of the rest of our region. And we need to tout that and, right. and, and really sure. celebrate that rather than run from it. For sure. And, and you know, one of the things that I think so many people miss is is they sign up with the chamber and they say, well, I'm just a member of the chamber, right? I did it to put the sticker on my door. Mm -hmm. And, you know, until I became involved with all these associations, I didn't realize, A, the benefits that came with being a member of a chamber, being a member of an association. But on top of that, I, I'm starting to see more and more now. You know, we, we do these automotive events all over the country. And, and the biggest one here in the southeast is in Raleigh. It's called ASTE. And it, it's my favorite show of all the shows, you know, lots of huge shows, but it, it's close to home. It's easy to travel to, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And so I, I was placed on the board of directors for that association or chamber, whatever you want to call it. And I began to realize that, A, if everybody signed up for these programs that the association offered, and they're, they're set up to do this, and A, they, they help fund the chamber, and then the chamber creates opportunity mm -hmm. for its members. Right. And I think that's such a shame because we see so many business owners sign up for a local chamber and they never engage the chamber. They never go to any of the events. They never engage with the other people in the association. David Roman, you you do the BNI thing. Right. Which is kind of similar to that. And, and you were telling me it's had like a huge impact on your business. What what's the deal there? What is BNI? It's a business networking group. I don't. Is, does it have a lot of similarities to a chamber of commerce? Or we we actually have a, a a group like that within our chamber. It's called the Boone Business Exchange, and it's about thirty members. That it's leads generating and and community building. Uh, a lot of referrals mm -hmm. that come from that. So very similar in that way. Is that what? the? Is that central to the the chamber experience, or is it just kind of ancillary? Yeah, so I, I think that that kind of goes to where Lucas was going uh, a little bit, too, in that I, I think great chambers find out what their members need and then develop the programming to, to best associate with that. And and I'll, I'll use the example of the, the Blowing Rock Chamber. You know, the Blowing Rock does a great job 
uh, better than anybody in our region, in my opinion, of creating events that will bring people to an area. So you think about art in the right. park, Winterfest in January, you know, that they can get people to, to come by the thousands to Blowing Rock and stand outside in January yeah, when it's like crazy. 10 degrees outside. It's and they make it a thing, man. You know, yeah. it, it's a, you've got to be there, right? So they have done that well. You don't, we don't need to recreate that. What we have seen is that from a business support, business advocacy, people need access to resources, data, programs, um, you know, camaraderie of, of knowing that you're going through the same things as, as maybe the person down the street. And while yeah. you might not necessarily be directly competitive. Lucas and I have been telling you about parts tech for a while now and how it gives you access to unlimited parts and tire vendors and direct integration with over 35 shop management systems. And now they've just launched a new referral program. All you have to do is open your parts tech account, go to my shop and click on the rewards tab. There you'll find your referral URL, which you can share via email, text message, or on your social media. If your referral signs up for a new account and places five orders in the first 30 days, Parts Tech will send you a $100 gift card. That's it. Nothing else is needed. Your referrals can get you $100 just for using Parts Tech, which by the way, is absolutely free to get started with. So if you're using Parts Tech already, start sharing that referral link. And if you haven't signed up for Parts Tech yet, what are you waiting for? Click on the link in the description or go to partstech.com forward slash podcast. That's partstech.com forward slash podcast. Hey, one more thing. If you find out that your shop management system doesn't integrate with Parts Tech, it's time to upgrade. David and I use what we believe to be the very best system on the market, shopware. With unmatched features like Parts GP Optimizer and DVX, which is their digital vehicle experience, Shopware really is way more than just a shop management software. With it, you'll be able to create an immersive and interactive experience for your client, setting you apart from everyone else using run-of-the-mill software. Are you ready to upgrade? Click the link in the show notes to get started. There is benefit to talking and sharing and engaging there. So we have tried to build programs and, and build a platform that supports that. So with, with the leads group, for example, that, that group has been together for about six years. They've done somewhere in the neighborhood of four and a half million dollars of internal referrals amongst wow. about 30 businesses. It's a competitive group to be in. Uh, a lot of those uh, businesses support one another. Just so happens that ours has a lot to do with relocation. Uh, everything from finance to people that will repair um, refrigerators and sinks and, and things along those lines. But there is a, an attendance component to that that makes it, you know, you want to be in the room because you're going to get business out of that. And I think that that goes back to we we know that in, in our community, word of mouth is one of the most important drivers of of vetting. Right. So I'm, yeah. I'm going to ask Lucas, hey, uh, I know that you do business with this group. I'm about to do business with them. Are, are they OK? Are they on the up and yeah. up? And. I will go off of what Lucas says a whole lot more than I'll go off of a website, a Google review or anything else. And we've yeah. created a, a group to, to kind of help insulate that. So that goes back to Chambers Listen. You know, uh, that that's what our job is first and foremost. And then react and respond to what, what our members need and what the community needs. And I think all of our chambers in our region do a really good job of, of working together, but also separately scratching a number of those itches. For sure, for sure. And, and you know, that's that's what's interesting is because a lot of folks say, you know, David's from Kansas City, 
right? And he's he's kind of in the outskirts of Kansas City, but it's a bigger city. It's a bigger town. It's you know when I try and describe Boone or Blowing Rock or Watauga County to a lot of our listeners or to the people in our groups. You almost feel like they don't understand like where we're at and that it's different here, right? Yeah. And like our our culture of people is very different than than what you see in other places. But then you you travel to these places and they, it's all small town America. At the end of the day, it's all small town America. Now, tell me a little bit this event that you guys did because I'm I'm sitting there and I'm actually on my cell phone on a Sunday afternoon and I'm I'm watching the economic portion of that and I mm-hmm. thought this is like some of the most valuable information. I, as a business owner, could have about what's coming up in the economy, mm-hmm. where we're at, what does that mean here locally? That that was really, really important information. Where where did that brainchild come from? How did you guys start doing that? Yes, yeah, so we're, we're fortunate in this community to have um, a regional economist that works out of Appalachian State. Uh, and, and I say regional, when I, I say that, I mean Southeast regional. He is uh, kind of the grandfather of the banking industry here in the Southeast United States. He helped start uh, a number of smaller community banks that have now been gobbled up by the, the Bank of Americas and the Truists and, and those types of places. But he is at the forefront of of what it means to start a community financial engine. And he happens to be a Boone resident, uh, App State professor. He is the dean of the North Carolina School of Banking, which is the industry accreditation, you know, kind of standard bearer for bankers in our state. Um, and he just loves to, to to talk and forecast, and and he's really good at what he does. So yeah. he's been on the chamber board for a while, and he said, you know, I, I think we've got, you know, I, he's got a national following. He said, well, you know, if we took somebody with a national following and and tried to write a more local predictive story around that, would you be interested? And he's absolutely. So so we we took Harry Davis is his name. Doctor Harry Davis is is. Uh, willing to give us an economic forecast every year. And most of the time he's right. <laughs> COVID, yeah, we, yeah. we gave him a lot of crap because he he absolutely missed global pandemic. You know, where are you? What <laughs> no, are you doing? What in the world? <clears throat> Asleep at the wheel, right? But, but what we tried to also do is pair that with Another presenter on that same day that that speaks to some sort of of local interest. Uh, in the the last event we did, we had Tracy Swartout, who is the superintendent of the Blue Ridge Parkway. The Blue Ridge Parkway is an amazing economic driver for this area. And if if you know what is going on, um, you know from an infrastructure development standpoint to events and programs what the Blue Ridge Parkway is doing for the year, you can predict busy times for our associated communities. So that was, that was helpful. Uh, two years ago, we had Christopher Chung, who is a, a well, um, uh, known person in economic development circles. He's the, the head of an organization here in North Carolina called EDPNC. It's an economic development partnership of North Carolina. None of these organizations are creatively named. I'll say it like that, but, (laughs) um, but he is at the forefront of large industry recruitment. So, you know, at about, the time that we had him speak to our community here again in the mountains of Northwest North Carolina, he's talking about Toyota bringing a battery manufacturing plant to North Carolina. Well, that might be positioned in in that Guilford Randolph County um, economic development corridor. But when those high paying jobs are added, those people are going to be looking for a place to vacation. And we are two hours down the road. And it is very much in our interest what is being developed around the state. We know that Toyota is never going to select Boone to develop batteries. We don't necessarily want that. We know that that is not to to your point earlier, Lucas, that's not part of our culture. 
right? Yeah. We can be the support community for a large number of higher paying, higher traffic, need to be around an interstate or rail type of businesses. And we know our spot with that. So we've always tried to, to take those, those opportunities to educate our local community about what's going on around us while also giving them predictive information to, to help understand how their bottom line is going to be met. Because so much of what we do here in a tourism economy is based on how the economy is behaving around us. And if, if times are good, people travel and they want to come up here. Right. If times are tight, the belts get tightened and, and we start to see more day trippers than long-term visitors. And that that obviously has a lot of ramifications on our area. Well, and, and so to that effect, right, one of the things that I've found the value of being a member of our chamber Right. Is is that that information that's available and, and the, the camaraderie between all of the different members, I'm seeing communications that help me kind of plan for, hey, I know the shop is going to be busier this week. Mm-hmm. I, I understand there's things coming up. I'm watching the calendar of events. I know that I need to be preparing. And, and believe it or not, I'll watch your schedule. And I'll say, okay, I'm going to leave a little bit of open space in our calendar because I know I'm going to have some out-of-towners who need to come in for whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that in a lot of cases, especially in auto repair, because we're a service, we look at the local chamber and we say, well, what's the benefit to me? Right? Like, why is this a benefit to me? What do you wish that, that they would look at and say, hey, I could use this. This is something yeah. that would provide value to me as an auto repair shop. Yeah. How does a how does that value come to the auto repair shop in a local? Yeah, chain? so that, that's a great question, and and it, it tees up another very important part of of chamber work in communities is is being attuned to what the needs of of your community are. For example, in in our area, and you well know, trades development. Is, yeah. is, is something that is a, an ongoing process and always needs to be adjusted. So we host conversations regularly behind the scenes with Caldwell Community College and Technical Institute, Watauga uh, County Schools, more particularly the CTE program at the local yeah. high school, to make sure that their trades programs lines up and matches well with community need. So right now, a lot of that conversation is is focused around construction trade, as you might imagine. There was this huge boom in real estate and, and, you know, houses were being built and, and being scheduled to be built some two years off of when transactions went down. Well, that two year window is right now. And we, we need more, you know, carpenters, HVAC electricians than we could ever, ever possibly need. Now, in a community that is anchored by a four-year institution that is the largest employer and the largest economic driver, it's not always popular to say not everybody needs to go to a four-year college. Amen. But we also know Amen. that that more than ever, you're seeing um, associations like you're talking about, whether that's uh, NC Tech Paths down in Wilkesboro, mm-hmm. training people in, in more IT and, and computer development. Um, or, or looking at our community colleges as resources um, to develop the next group of trades. I, I just had a conversation with the community college president last week about really starting to see um, some demand for EV mechanic work in yep. larger scale. Like for Applecart, for example, our regional transit operations about to have three EV buses. They've got mechanics that have been trained on one, but now it's like, all right, how are they going to scale training all of their staff to service a growing yep. fleet? And the town of Boone has just invested in EVs. And, and you know, there are not an abundance of people that are overly skilled right now right. in all of the different, uh, all of the different products that are out there. So we are, we are constantly looking at, you know, 
whether it's auto repair, whether it's home building, um, you know, what is the next need? Uh, you know, AI is a huge buzz topic yeah. right now, yeah. but but what does that look like for Northwest North Carolina? What are some practical applications that aren't going to take away jobs, but are going to create opportunity? We just happen to have in this community a company that makes point of sale uh, cash registers and, and sales yep. devices for grocery stores. Grocery stores, stores like the, the biggest. I, I work on some of their cars, and it's like the biggest one, right? Like yeah, by far yeah. the and, biggest software supplier. Yeah, and 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 so they are well positioned to help us as a community respond to those needs. What what is the next advent of point of sale um, software distribution? And certainly they're going to be plugged into that. But but we know that we're going to be able to bring other partners along, whether that's supply chain or or whether that's just people that want to play in that same kind of line of work that, that can be benefited by the expertise that a, a member will bring. And somebody needs to communicate all of that. So whether that's sure. the chamber, economic development organization, there are people that are, are well positioned to do that kind of work in every community. Well, so so you, you tugged on a heartstring here. And so we're going to have to talk about it. We're, we're talking about skilled trades, right? And, mm -hmm. and so we have a group of well, we've got a, a one group with over 12,000 people in it. We've got one group with 8,000, right? Tons of people. And the conversation always comes back to the skilled trades. Mm -hmm. And and we obviously know we've got a shortage. I, I don't know that you could call it a shortage. In a lot of ways, many of these tradespeople feel like they have probably not been treated appropriately. Mm -hmm. Moving forward, we're trying to fix that and we're trying to do the things that need to happen. You know, we've got technicians here that will earn seventy to $100,000 a year in this shop, mm -hmm. right? Um you talk about EV. We're sending them all over the country to train them and get them skilled to where they can work on these vehicles because there are major, major safety concerns. They have to know what they're doing when we get into EV, right? Mm -hmm. You know, you bring up, though, construction. Because one of the things that, that I think happens when we get into these small circles and we're just automotive is we don't realize that everybody else is dealing with the same thing we are. That's right? right. The other trades are, are facing shortages, too. There's shortages in construction. There's shortages in plumbing. There's shortages in electricians. Right. And they can't mm -hmm. find people to do their job. You know, and we're, I, I guess it was four years ago we started the North Carolina apprenticeship program for automotive. Right. In this shop, I don't know if you know this, the first journey woman for the North Carolina automotive apprenticeship program worked in this shop and went through this program right here in this shop. And so it pays for a free two-year associate's degree. It, it has um, all types of waivers, and it gives them tuition uh, credits, and it does all of these other things that help them get through school and creates opportunity. But if we don't know about those things, and we're not working together to say there's this opportunity out here, we can't ever put them through that program. You know, and I, I tell people all the time, and they they always laugh at me. I'm like, dude, we we're blessed in Watauga County. We have one of the coolest high schools ever, right? Mm -hmm. Like they invested in the trade programs like no other high school I've ever seen. I've been in high schools all over the state, all over the country. I've been in community colleges all over the state and all over the country. We are blessed in a way that very very few are. But are we are we taking advantage of that opportunity here? Are we doing what we're supposed to do? And if if we're not connecting, how do we even know that opportunity is there? Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a great question, and I, I think uh, to to hit on the school aspect of that for a second, my daughter's a, a student there now. That's why schools cost money. 
You know, uh, people always will wring their hands and say, I can't believe this building costs this much. Well, when you see that particular building was built with a purpose to have community college courses integrated into that building. So those students aren't leaving campus and that the community college is actually sending some students to that campus at night. I mean, that's why things cost money. We want those things to produce in in a way. And, And I think going back to the to the initial part of this. It, it is helpful to know that other people are in your shoes. And I would encourage those of you that, that are able to speak knowledgeably about how some of those associations and the benefit of the association came together. So in, in your case there, being able to get apprenticeships. Well, apprenticeships are becoming incredibly popular, not only here in North Carolina, but all throughout the country because they, they offer that educational opportunity with a little bit of money. Nobody's doing anything for free right now. Uh, right. Internships like we all knew don't don't exist, right? You're not going to yeah. do that. Um, but what you are going to do is try to knock off education in a cost-effective way. And, and in a, a number of our skilled trades, it's actually more efficient to be trained by the people that are doing the work every day rather Absolutely. than going and getting textbook theory on how to pound a nail into a piece of wood or how to fix a carburetor. You're in there with the people that can teach you in far less time and, and get you skilled to help them do the job in a much, much quicker fashion. For whatever reason, from a societal standpoint, we, we you know, traditionally over decades look down on that. And I think yeah. that now you're starting to see people go, wait a second, that's really smart. It's it's saving students money. It's allowing your technician that's making $70,000 a year not to be saddled with so much student debt that they're not able to buy a house if they could find one to buy in this county. That's a different topic altogether. Yeah, but but the, the idea there is, is that they're making a wage that can make a life in a community. And that's what we all want to see. There, there is this other kind of undercurrent here, and I'm sure that you can attest to this, the Appalachia culture that this region sees as its operational norm has also looked at training sometimes as not for me. You don't need to go to that school over here. We teach you everything you need to know right here. Um, Again, that has gone counter to this whole four-year, you know, educational um, philosophy over the years. But now I think you're starting to see that message and come back around to, hey, we, we can buy into what you're saying. Yeah, we can teach you everything you need to know right here. Right here might be the automotive shop today. It might be the family farm tomorrow, but but there is value in learning from people that are doing. And when you can tie that into an industry credential that will travel with you. So if you do get pulled to go down and work in Raleigh or Wilkesboro, the the time that you spent uh, at L and N is going to pay off down the road. You know, and and you're going to be you're going to be well skilled on top of the line technology. You're going to know what you're doing. Um, we have to move in a way. I think as a as a community. Uh, and I'd say that globally speaking, that that we are getting people educated efficiently and effectively yes. because the needs are now. We we don't have yeah. the luxury of waiting for somebody six years to go through a exactly. program and and we, you know we're we out need of, social we're out of people. Now, we also need skilled labor now. Right. And and so let me ask you this. Do you know the numbers of what it is, especially in the housing and the construction? Do you have a good feel of the pulse of that? I mean, are we are we experiencing because in the automotive field, right, for for years now, we've been saying, hey, we've got a technician shortage. I can't find any help. But, you know, every restaurant I go into in Boone, every construction guy that comes in here and gets his truck worked on, they're all saying, I can't find help, man. I can't get help anywhere. Is that is that a consistent theme across the board? 
Yeah, it's it's consistent in anything that I'll, I'll say is manual labor. And, and there are some reasons for that. Um, I, I think one thing that the pandemic did was was made people think about how they value their employees. And, and I know that there are national narratives, right? I, I've right. heard. I've heard until I'm blue in the face about how nobody wants to work right now. It's like, are they saying that or do they just not want to work for you? Because maybe you're paying a low wage, you're not offering benefits, you're not offering some of the things that that are competitive in your market. So I think, again, going back to what a chamber can help you with or, or your trade organizations can really help you with is understanding what the market standards are. We know that not every job has got, it's, it's blessed to be um, flexible, right? You can't work on somebody's car at your house. Exactly. Um, that's not a job that that translates to. But we also know that there are other things that are outside of pay that people are prioritizing right now. Um, it, it could be something as simple as a four day work week where you go, well, on the surface, that doesn't sound right. But if you've got somebody that says, I'm willing to work for you from seven in the morning until seven at night, four days a week, but I want my Friday off and I'm going to get the same volume of work done in that Monday through Thursday window. Do you care? I mean, do you, can you right. get past the point of saying, well, that's not the way we do it here exactly. and say, well, actually exactly. we could do it that way here. You know? So right. I think, I think what the pandemic did was it's, it's forced people to go under the hood, no pun intended, and ask, what is it that makes us a valuable place to work? And how yeah. can we sell that? You know, the competition for people, you know, I know that the hourly weights are up and quite honestly, they need to be, you know, we have been underpaying people that are doing really important work for a long, long time. Yeah. But it's not just the wages, it's work conditions. It's being a supportive supervisor. It's knowing that some days, you know, in our community, especially if you've got two kids, there's a chance that they're going to two different schools on two different sides of the county and and getting them to their places and you to your place on a morning where it's snowing sideways and five degrees outside is a little bit of a challenge. So yeah. are you the kind of employer that's going to say, hey, you know what, this morning we know that some things are going on. Maybe we're on a two hour delay. Hey, we're, we're coming in at 930 and the expectation is you're going to work till six. There, there's a, a manufacturer here in the community. They deal with, with outdoor manufacturing. They do a lot of gear, um, uh, support gear for hikers. And then they got into uh, lineman bags and, and things like that. Well, this company is is built uh, off of the strength of a bunch of gearheads, right? The, these these folks right. want to be outside, out in the elements, hiking on a trail, hiking up a rock face. Um, so they built this whole entire company structure around that. And they said, you know what? When it's sunny and 70 in the summertime, we want you out on a, on a rock somewhere. And you know what? Take our bags and take our toys that we're making. Make sure they right. work. But now if it's raining tomorrow, we're in here from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. We're going to grind right. so you can leave at 2 o'clock in the afternoon when it's sunny again. And they yeah. do not have a problem with staff retention. Um, right. Sometimes and, that's and that speaks volumes. Right. Yeah. And, and yeah, because it's the right. same thing with my shop, right? Like when we started looking at the ways we could do things better, the new shop is air conditioned. It's bright inside, right? Like when, when I open the doors and it's daylight, people are like, oh, my God, it got brighter when you opened your doors. You know, we set it up for that reason and we provided benefits and we did things. And, and you know, I talk to other shop owners and they're like, but, but you know, I, I, I've never done it that way. I'm not sure that that's the right thing. Well, just because you haven't done it doesn't mean you shouldn't do it, right? Like right. the way we had been doing it. And and in some ways, I feel like, and I, I, I go back to that economic presentation that we listened to. In some ways, it feels like our economy left the blue collar worker behind. And, you know, you were talking about the education of these guys, especially in our culture, because a lot of these older guys, they kept a lot of that knowledge to themselves. 
We didn't have a glorified uh, apprentice program that would pass that knowledge on down. We didn't train them because you can't just all of a sudden be a, a mentor, right? You have mm-hmm. to know how that's to right. teach somebody, and that's a hard job. And so we never created a process for that. And so we never moved that education down the line, and we didn't give the knowledge that that 10-year, 20-year, 30-year master carpenter had to the next generation because there was no system for it. Right. And, and in some ways, he thought, well, you're jeopardizing my potential for a job. You're taking my potential. I don't want to. I don't want to teach you that because I'm I'm training my replacement. And so I think we have to change the way that we look as a whole at skilled trades because something has to give. We our economy will collapse if we don't have skilled trade workers. Right? Yeah. There's That's no right. way it can continue. But on top of that, you know, seeing that these guys are coming together now to teach and to train. And to, to lift up the next generation and guide them and give them direction. But us as employers, we have a responsibility to build that opportunity for them, mm-hmm. right? Because it's not going to happen on its own. You don't take little Timmy and put him in the bay with the guy that's been working on cars for 30 years and say, teach him how to do it. Mm-hmm. It's not how it works, right? There's got to be structure. There's got to be curriculum. There's got to be, you know, and, and you talk about pay. The North Carolina Apprenticeship Program for the Automotive Deal it starts them at sixteen fifty an hour, right? Wow. So you're in high school at sixteen fifty an hour, and then in a year it goes up a dollar, and then another year it goes up another dollar, and it takes them up. And when they're done with the apprenticeship program, they've got tools, they've got a, a two year associate's degree, and they're making twenty bucks an hour. Where do you get a job making twenty bucks an hour right out of high school? That's right, right? You know, I mean, I, I. I wish I had had a job like that. Well, and, and I think that there's an important component to add to that too. And it's a career path job. You could go and, you know, I, I've heard a lot of people say, well, you know, I'm not going to take this job. I go flip burgers at, at Wendy's for that. No disrespect to Wendy's, but what is the career longevity in that? Unless you're going to go into restaurant management, you know, is that what you're going to do for a while? I think, I think what, what has become more prevalent through apprenticeship programs, there's a, there's a program here in the construction trades in North Carolina called Trade Up. Uh, that was modeled out of the Hickory area, but but has been implemented in Watauga and Avery here lately. And and that is kind of a, exactly what you're talking about, is that Timmy gets to go with the construction crew and learn from people that have done it. And there's there's some graduated um, ways that, that that position is paid and, and ultimately leads into a part-time job. What, what I think that you're seeing, though, is that people are willing to um, get creative with the experience that's being there, but then they're also beginning to talk differently about, you know, the, uh, I'll call it the, the projected career paths that are associated there. So it's not like, Timmy, you're going to go hang out with the construction crew for the summer. It's Timmy, you're going to learn what it means to run a construction business. And you're going to see how, you know, VPC builders attacks a job and they plan for it and they staff for it. You're going to see all these things. And hopefully one day you're going to take all of that knowledge and a little bit of work with us and you're going to start your own company. And and it's a company being willing to say, use us as the model. We're confident and comfortable enough in our own skin that we're going to get the job. But we know that we need a whole lot more of us so we can have a whole lot more jobs. And and it's those people that are willing to kind of let people behind the curtain and and show. I, I think that that I, I always felt that when I learned, I learned more from doing rather than from yep. reading. <laughs> and maybe that's 100%. maybe that's not exactly the the greatest ode to my professors, but but in reality, I learned more sitting in an office answering a phone 
and and reacting to the situations that I would one day become professionally associated with because I watched a mentor do it. And you know, not all mentors lead the same. You're right. There's some that will never say a word, but their actions speak volumes. I think the more we think outside of what traditionally is the way that maybe we were led along the way in our youth and and think about what today's kids need, I think we can we can knock down some barriers and and actually see that skilled trades are truly skilled. And if yeah. you don't believe it, Think about what you spend money for somebody else to do and yeah. how well they do it and how much you would screw it up if you tried yourself. <laughs> exactly. How much it would end up and, costing and you in the that. end. Yeah. I, 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 hey, listen, we fix a lot of those. A lot of those. And, <laughs> you, and you know, coming back to that is is Eric Mortensen, right, from the local high school mm-hmm. and, and Miss Stark. Amazing, amazing team. I've, I have seen amazing things. And then Dustin came on board and Dustin's done amazing things. But – but, you know, it was so neat to watch that grow into what it grew into, right? And and Larry was a fantastic automotive teacher, but at the time, he didn't have the support of, of a CTE director like Mrs. Stark, right? And I know, I guess she's the principal now, or assistant principal, or assistant, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, she actually just got moved into a central office job, man. She's going to be she? like superintendent of the state one day, I think. Right, I guarantee <laughs> it. But, you know, she I remember hearing conversations where she would come in and say, Eric, Look, all I care about is that these students learn, and I want them to enjoy it. I want this to be a good experience for them, and you know what that looks like because you were in the field. I don't I don't necessarily know what that looks like. Whatever you need, just let me know, and we'll make it happen. Yeah. And so I remember watching Eric take that program and say, I don't just want to teach them how to work on a car. I don't want them to sit in a classroom for a full day and just sit there and look at a textbook or listen to me blather on. I want to put them in the shop and let them get the passion for what it is that I have the passion for. I want to pass Mm -hmm. my passion along to them. And so I watched him take these students and he wasn't just teaching them how to work on cars. Right. He was teaching them. He was running it like a business and they were bringing teacher cars in and he would explain, here's how you talk to them. And here's what I want you to explain. It's important. You can't have a misunderstanding about this. Right. You're a business person. You have to understand what this looks like. And so I saw a lot of these students leave that program and say, I never wanted to own a business before, but I think I can do this. And I've learned enough here that I think I, I know what I need to know. Right. Not that I know how to run a business. But I know that I don't know what I need to know to do yeah. it, right? Yeah. And and so it was so powerful to watch that. And I, I watched that the first year Eric was there, there was hardly anybody in that classroom. I want to say there was like 10 students in that classroom. Year two, he said, I think we're going to have to hire another teacher. Year three, he says, I've got a wait list, like literally a yeah. long, long wait list to get people into this program. And that's amazing to me. And it, it's amazing that it's just the passion that somebody brings to that program that creates it and engages them. And, yeah. and you know, not to come back to the chamber thing, but I think that, that having those connections, right? So when I first started trying to get connected with the high school, there was no connection for me. I didn't know who to talk to. Mm-hmm. I didn't know who to go to to talk to about an apprenticeship program. I didn't know what the resources were. And if you go and you try and decipher that by yourself, it's really difficult to pinpoint mm-hmm. that and know what to do and know where to go. Now, it all worked out that I got associated with the ASTA here in North Carolina, and then I got connected with um, the person who creates the curriculum and handles all of the skilled trades for North Carolina. And then through that, I got connected with the high school, and it was just like this perfect storm of things coming together in this perfect way to make it work. 
But think about how valuable that is. When you come to me and you say, I don't have any technicians or I don't have any skilled trades workers, where's the best place to start? Well, you've got to be involved in your community. Yeah. You have to understand what's going on in your community. And I, I don't think, I think for far too long, and, and you know, I've shared this before. I, I, so when, when I started in this business, I had no clue how to run a business. I was completely clueless, right? And I started the shop and we were just doing work, right? And so when I went to this first trade show that I went to, I had said, I'm done. I'm not doing this anymore. And I went to my wife and she said, well, what are you going to do? And I said, I want to train to be the best technician that I can be. And she said, well, that's really funny. This postcard came in the mail today. And I went to this trade show to learn to be the best technician I could be. But I walked through the doors of this trade show and I realized, dude, I am clueless. All of these other people are talking about all these ways to run a business and all of these strategies and all of this information. I've just been doing the work that the business does. I've not been I've not been running a business. I've not been working on the business. I've been working in the business and I can't see yeah. what the business even is. Yeah. And I look back at that today and I think, you know, I was doing four hundred thousand dollars a year. And now we're gonna do a million and a half, two million dollars. This shop has the potential to do three million a year, right? And I look back and I say, well, if I had not gotten that information, I would not be here right now. And all it took was just a little bit of information. It wasn't a lot. Yeah. Right. It was just the the awareness that I was an idiot. <laughs> right. As bad as that sounds. <laughs> David got the same awareness, but I don't know that anything's changed yet. Nothing's changed. <laughs> he, man. You know, they say he, that's he, why we he, haven't gone back to the moon, right? Why? All, all the people that learned how to get to the moon with less computing power than you have in your cell phone died. They didn't pass <laughs> along all the information. They shut all the programs down. So all those, all those scientists that had figured out a way to get to the moon uh, didn't pass along the information. And so they're having to start from scratch. Like We have to start from ground zero to figure out how to get to the That's moon insane. and maybe some Mars. Yeah. That's a little bit of a depressing concept. There you I go. Mean, yeah. Well, I mean, that's what's going to happen if we don't if we don't pass along the information, right? Yeah, uh, I, I agree with that. With trades. Yeah, you you see some some particular elements in, and I'll call them more service related industries. That that yeah, you've got um, aging. Um, infrastructure and that infrastructure is human capital uh and yeah. and there the the lack of a willingness by some uh to to share that information because of whatever proprietary craziness that they've got going on we all have got a little bit of that so I, I speak from experience but 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 it's it's you know i i think that that there is value whether it's a chamber whether it's an association like you're talking about lucas um having the right people around to help you inform what that strategy looks like. You know, so for example, yeah. if you're if you're trying to build, you know, another automotive trade organization, what what representation do you have at, at the organizational or management level of that association that's going to help people be able to paint the full and accurate picture of what it is you're trying to achieve as a group. You know, we we have a board of directors at the chamber that that in this community, again, you know, you can get lost in the influence of the top five employers or top 10 employers. But we know that 85% of the businesses in this community are represented by folks that have five or less employees. So yeah. we need that represented in our board, probably more than the, the top employers do. So we understand what those needs are and those dynamics are. Um, I, I would go back and say, too, that that from that, you're going to get so much informed um, consult 
that you could then pair with experiences from other areas. I, I, I do think that one thing that the pandemic brought us was, was this understanding that we can connect with anyone, anywhere, anytime. So whether you're in Kansas City, whether you're in Boone, North Carolina, whether you're in Los Angeles, at the core of it all, our business communities are, are very much the same. Your shop in Kansas City and your shop in Boone are going to attract a target audience for those two areas. And that is where you are very similar. How you function as a business might look completely different in some respects because one area is urban and one area is rural. But at the end of the day, it's satisfying customers and it's providing a need. And you can learn so much from people that are in similar circumstances or, or maybe not in what appears at the surface as a similar circumstance, but a willingness to say, hey, yeah, we're, we're seeing a lot of Teslas come in here too. And yeah. here's some things that we've learned about how quirky Tesla people are and the things that you've got to say to them to make them feel comfortable about doing their work with you. I mean, that could be sometimes the thing that unlocks it. And and I think that now we're, we're a little bit more willing to hear it from others. Um, how do you then take that and apply the knowledge that you're gaining from outside and, and put it into your own business? You got to be willing to do that. I go back yeah. to a staff retention element to that too. And I think that staffs that feel like they're being educated, that their, their company prioritizes educational development, whether that's sending them to trade shows, whether that's bringing in people to teach the next new thing, they, they feel like they're getting an investment in their career. And it, it, no matter how you're doing that, whether it's a Zoom call with some friends and you're bringing back some information or saying, go down to Raleigh, go to this trade show, come back and teach us something. Those those employees feel, feel valued and they will do valuable work because they feel their employer is investing in them. For sure, for sure. And and so along those lines, if if we're going to ask the David Jackson solution to the skilled trades problem, let's hear it. What what is it that you think when when you're looking from the outside in, right? Because you deal with a lot of skilled trades people, you deal with a lot of businesses that use skilled trades people. What is it that you can see that's like the aha moment? You know that we've missed it. Can you yeah. see anything that you just like, ah, dude, this is so obvious. Well, I, I, that's a great question. And I think it's, um, I, I'll, I'll answer it two different ways. Um, in one way, I, I like the progress that we're making in um, celebrating career achievement in the trades. And I think that goes back to the root high school level, right? You know, you've yeah. seen, and we're getting ready to start uh, here soon, a trade signing day. You know, we see college athletes signing on the dotted line in front of the backdrop with their parents and the coach and all that kind of yep. stuff. Why aren't we doing that for people that are, are graduating from automotive tech programs or construction trade for programs? Sure. Because the, the impact of a career pathway is just the same, right? And and I think, again, in a, in a culture that, that traditionally has been a little bit muted in terms of what we celebrate, we need to recognize that these 17-year-old, 18-year-old kids that have made a commitment to try to do a thing need to be rewarded for that commitment, right? And, and need to be shown that they are the, the next stars of that industry. And, and I think the more we communicate that there is a normalization of not necessarily going down the four-year road all the time, that, that you're my, – my mother graduated from a technical uh, college down in, in uh, the Greensboro area, Guilford Tech. Mm -hmm. yep. um, she was a nurse, went, went down that road because it was easier on her schedule, and, and it was interesting to see how, 
how they celebrated their nurse graduation differently than what the, the college down the street did. They treated everybody just the same. Well, uh, on the technical college campus, it was like, we are answering the need. You know, they're, they're saying all the right things to make right. you feel really good about your educational attainment. We, we need to remember that, that, that I think we're, we're, we're changing a language and we're saying, you know, however you're getting skilled, you're going to get, you're going to get trained by industry professionals. You're going to go into the field immediately. You're not going to have a lot of debt. You're going to get opportunity for high paying jobs. Celebrate it. Don't run from it. And, and understand that not everybody is destined to go down the same path and we are all working toward educational attainment in all paths. And we've got to be willing to, to own that uh, as, as a community and saying that, hey, you know what, we, we might have a four-year institution that's got all kinds of great accolades, but you know what, we've got, a, got one hell of a trades program up at the community college and in the high yes. school that is putting people into the next generation of what's going to move our community forward from an economic development perspective and and we're ready for it. We educate people here, and, and we're going to educate people no matter where they happen to be going uh, after the after the degree comes across the desk, so to speak. Absolutely, and and you know, look, here's the thing: is I I think that for so long we we had an issue where parents and where even other teachers, right? We talk all the time about guidance counselors in the high schools, right? They didn't understand, for instance, automotive. They they thought, well, it's a you're a grease monkey, right? You're you're not you're not going to get paid well. You're going to be the guy down here at a, at a little lube joint, and you're going to be nasty and filthy and dirty, and you're not going to make any money. And and to some degree, for a long time, that's how we treated our people, right? No, that and, was and 100% making... true for a long time. But yeah. all of that still applies. You, you just make slightly more money. I think the big difference now, though, is that they recognize that uh, an AI bot is not going to be fixing your car anytime soon. When that wheel falls off, Somebody has to physically pick it up and put it back on the car. Yep. And so all those jobs, who's going to fix the pipe? Who's going to wire the building? All of a sudden, yep. those jobs are going to become wildly more popular and more valuable because, yeah, I mean, what's the screenwriters fighting right now? The, the big streaming companies are looking to replace them with AI. They're hiring AI experts right now <laughs> to then cut out all these screenwriting jobs because hey nobody's watching this stuff anyway we just need to put out content that very few people are going to watch i think we can just use ai to do it and they don't have to pay all these people all this money so those jobs that aren't going to be easily replaceable with yeah. a, a computer is is now going to become in demand uh and the the mindset like you're saying david the those minds the mindset has to shift and the supply has to be there, right? The the opportunities for mentorship, education, and then the way we treat the educational opportunities needs to change as well. I think you're right on that as well. And and look, as the pain point increases, right? All of a sudden, we're going to be changing our whole dynamic about what it is that we're talking about being important, right? We've already seen it, right? The guidance counselors, the ones in the high school were saying, oh, my God. I thought you could just, you know, this is where we were sending the kids that maybe, you know, they were struggling in other areas. But this is way more complex, right? Yeah. Like we're, we're talking about coding and reprogramming chips on the board. And we're talking Do about. Do you think that's what happened? That we can't find technicians that are willing to read service information. It's because they stuck all the kids that refuse to read into the, the, into the it makes you wonder, class. Right. I can't read the tape measure. So they put me in construction class. <laughs> but. 
But, you know, at the end of the day, let's think about this. When the pain point gets to a certain threshold, and, and I think we saw that in our community, David. I really do. I think we saw that in our community. I think in some ways, especially in the state of North Carolina, we've always been about education, but I think in some ways there was a little bit of a pain point that was starting to hit. And everybody was saying, uh, hey, guys, like, I understand you want a house, but I don't have a way to build a house for you, right? I just talked to a shop in Raleigh just the other day, closing up their doors, lined up out the door with work, but they can't find any help, right? So now all of a sudden you can't get your car fixed. You can't find somebody to come wire up your house. You got a leak and there's no plumbers because everybody's booked out three weeks. Your AC went out. It's 90 degrees in your house. And there's nobody able to come fix it. And the guy that will come fix it is quadruple the rate that you thought you were going to pay for it. Mm-hmm. You, you want to find oh. something weird. I, I'm sitting in the BNI meeting this morning, and they're trying to pass each other business around some problem. I don't know anything about houses. There's a problem with the siding and flashing that was incorrectly installed or not installed or something, right? And they're looking at each other going, I don't have a guy for that. And then they look at the other person and they're like, I don't have a guy for that either. They didn't have anybody that was doing this yep. very specific thing mm-hmm. on this house that would make the house uninsurable. Uh, they, they can't proceed with repairs. The guy who was trying to pass the referral was the home inspector. Now, he's trying to, to help them close a mortgage, right? And so it's going to hold up hundreds of thousands of dollars in money. That is now not going to be transferred from the bank to the to the previous owner, and all of that is going to stop because they can't find a guy to fix this flashing and siding thing because nobody in Kansas City, at least in our little network, is there to do it. That's got to be sobering. At some point, you got to go. What the crap is going on here? Somebody's got to be yeah. able to do this work. Well, and it's it's not the um, you know I, I do think Lucas, you you pointed out that. You know, there's a, a shift in the guidance counselor, you know, language, right? Well, I think there's also this shift in understanding that it's not just about the the technical skill, it's projecting it farther than that and saying this yeah. is a business opportunity. You know, to the 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 flashing guy could have you know flashing.com out in Kansas City right now. It sounds like he he'd yeah, at least have make one a job. million in a day. Yeah, but but it's like, you know, how do you how do you try at that level when when kids are still trying to figure out what it is you want to do that you're that you're projecting this is not just you fixing cars this is you having an opportunity to build a business that will support yeah. you and your family for the rest of your life and and employ others that that you can support them because there is demand and it's yeah. teaching people I, I think that's where our education partners must be in alignment with 100%. community leaders to make sure that the 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 skills that are needed are being accurately projected both in the short term and in the long term you know it, it would have been nice to think that that five years ago we could have said oh yeah well we're going to have this huge global disruption and it's going to cause everybody to stay at home therefore they're going to want every little odd job project done inside their house because they're staring at it all day and right. they can't get away from it. So we need to get a short run of staff into this kind of handyman role where they're not doing huge deals. It's coming in and fixing all the little nagging stuff. And and we know well in this community, those people are making a killing right now. Yeah, and they have absolutely. so much work, they can't possibly get to it all. But but you know that that's the unfortunate nature of, of a, a shift that nobody saw coming. But what if we did start thinking about what's coming and the ramifications of where we are in the housing market now versus 
versus one day when rates come back down again, there's going to be another construction boom. Are we educating the 10th, 11th, and 12th grade student to think about how they yeah. harness that? Because the wages are going to be great. The opportunity is going to be abundant. And if they have a little entrepreneurial salt sprinkled into this skill that they may have developed through great mentors and, and teachers and whatnot, now they're the ones that are sitting at the BNI group going, send me that lead. I got yeah, it. I got no, no problem. And, and if I can't do it, my buddy over here that I went to high school with, he's he's got it. We got it taken care of. You know, here's the thing is is on the other side of all of this, though, is, is there is a parent who and, and, and look, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Right. <laughs> we know that. And, and and I know that when my child falls over and, and hurts himself because he was doing something stupid, what do I want to do? I want to run over there and pick him up. And, oh, are you OK? But I also know that that's not what's best for him. Right. At the end of the day, I know that he has to learn if you make a mistake, there's a consequence for those mistakes. Everything we do has a equal or greater reaction. Right. Mm -hmm. So the, the reality at the end of the day is, is I think we've had a lot of parents saying, well, I don't want them to go into the skilled trades. I don't want them to be out here working on cars or building houses. I want them to get a four year degree. I want them to be better than I was. I want them to have more opportunity. And I don't think that we've had the messaging to the parents. That says this is the opportunity. You're, you're thinking the four-year degree. I'm, I'm telling you, I have had more people come through this shop that went to app and come in here and say, I've got a four-year degree that cost me $250,000. And you know what I'm doing? I'm working in a restaurant, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, I'm not. Yeah. App State you know, it, for $250,000? I'm, I'm throwing out random numbers, man. You, you know me better than that. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> yeah, I, the problem I is think, their, their jobs are going to get replaced by AI. I don't I don't understand why, why we're having a dilemma here on what the parent messaging needs to be. It's like, hey, make your kid's future AI-proof. Right? There you <laughs> go. Well, I, I think you're... you're, you're uh, I, <laughs> how to say this without throwing my own parents under the bus or anybody else's. Um, I, I mean, they're, they're creatures of your, your time. Like, like I see my kids right now, you know, yeah. and, and kind of what you were right. talking about. It's like, you've got a, a generation now that, that has been digitized in a way that we weren't, you know, I remember when having a speaking spell was a pretty damn big thing, you know, um, and Oregon trail was on a, like this green oh, screen and, and you just hope not to get dysentery. And now we've got kids that are growing up in this iPad, iPhone generation of, of screens all the time, which, which, yeah, that that's got its own issues. But it also means that there is a more technically skilled kid at the end of that. Like you, yeah. you were just talking about content generation. Well, you know, it used to be that you needed huge crews to go out and do things that now somebody can do on their iPhone. Um, I, I think that the more that we pair technology for good uh, and not just AI to, to replace people, but but taking a kid that's that's already technically adept and and creating you know, some soft skill development in there, but also saying, Hey, you know what you can, you might like to work on cars in the driveway. And did you know that that's a career path? Like, yeah. why are we not saying that? Like find what you're passionate about and, and say, Hey, you know what you, you have always done all of these things to, to the family truckster. And that's a really lucrative career rather than going down the four year road uh, and keeping up with the other families' flags in the yards in the neighborhood that we said, this is the best thing for my child. 
Um, I just had a conversation with my daughter the other day about, you know, kind of her career path. She's going into 10th grade or 11th grade. We're starting to have some of those conversations. She's like, you know, I'd like to work in a medical something, but I want to be in a lab. I don't want to deal with patients. I don't want to deal with people. I want to be in a lab. I'm like, if you're talking about lab tech, we need to have a conversation about what you think you might need to do because there's a really expensive way to do that. And there's a really efficient way to do that. And those two things are on two opposite ends of the education spectrum. What is it that you really want? And right. she's like, I want to be in a lab doing this stuff. I'm like, all right, well, let's start talking about this. Our parents didn't do that, right? Yeah. So it, it takes us stepping outside of what our comfort level was as end users and going, you know, there's there's a better way to do it. And that takes that takes some some of that, you know, that, well, this is the way I came up. It's different, you know. It is. I, I collected is. baseball cards. They are different. Now that's right? that's digital. <laughs> you know, yeah. I'm like, what are we talking about? You know, that's so. making a comeback. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Exactly. That's David's a got a David's got a collection of them. He's he's just waiting for the return on investment right now. Let me know when um, that comes and I'll 1987, I'll 88, 89, 1990, and 91 full top sets. I still have some in the nice. closet somewhere. Yeah. Complete. Nice. The whole thing. Yeah. Baseball I used to time. like when the traded series came out, you know, then it's like, all right, let me see. I've got the, the rare error card somewhere. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Those were the days, man. I think we all just dated ourselves, huh? Uh, <laughs> That's right. We dated uh, ourselves. You, you were a pup. Yeah. <laughs> you got me beat. The Davids have me beat. Yeah. His Oregon trail. I played, color. I played yeah. Oregon trail in school. You probably didn't have Oregon Trail. I was too old by the time you. No, got in I, I had Oregon Trail. I had Oregon Trail. I did. I did. It was a good game. But he had a cheat still code download it today. It. Yeah. Oh, there we go. Yeah, the HD version. It was <laughs> Polygon gra- Polygon graphics. Yeah. I don't want to know what a world looks like with an HD Oregon Trail. <laughs> hey, it's out. It's absolutely oh. out. Oh Pull it gosh. up on Steam. It's there. <laughs> do, do the people like actually bleed with the injuries now, or is it, it's not just a text box that pops up? It's like, you actually see just, cholera. Uh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> I didn't need to see I don't that. Think, yeah, that, that would be that'd be awful. That'd be awful. Oh, well, good. Man. This yeah, was awesome. That was awesome. Thank you. Dude. Yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah. Thank you all very much. Thank you for listening to the Changing the Industry podcast. If you enjoyed the show, do us a favor and leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. And don't forget to set it to automatically download the latest episode. Our efforts with this podcast, the YouTube channel, and the Facebook group wouldn't be possible without the support of our awesome sponsors. So please take a moment, check them out by clicking on the links in the show notes.